You can be seated. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. I, we, we did, we had so many praise reports even amongst the, the worship team this morning. I, I just have to ask, does anybody have a praise this morning? Just you want to thank the Lord for something or uh, just testify to the church at the goodness of God in your life? Anybody else? Maybe one more. All right. Well, today we we work into week three of our series, Discipleship 101. Just for a quick recap, if you haven't been with us or if you missed a Sunday, the first week we talked about why discipleship? Why, Why do we even have this thing called discipleship? What's the big deal? And you see, we need discipleship for many reasons, but for just a few of those are because Jesus met our need. We're following the one that met our need. Jesus called us, and if God calls you, you probably want to go. Jesus initiated, and if God starts something, you probably want to be a part of it. It'd probably be a good idea. And if we truly did leave everything like he asked us to, we probably need to stay pretty close to the one that can continue to provide so that was week one of why discipleship. And, and the, the real easy answer there is just because God said so. It, it's just, it's what we're called to do as believers. Last week we talked about what is discipleship? What exactly is it? And we, I kind of narrowed that down to three things from our text last week in Luke. It's, it's a great activity. Discipleship is done in a group and with more than one person. It's diverse Meaning we don't have to do discipleship just with people that look like us and sound like us and believe exactly what we believe about God. And the discipleship is ultimately listening and paying attention. And we're doing that together. That that as we come together, we, we are listening and paying attention when others are asleep. Because God doesn't sleep. God is still working. And so we, we need others that can pick up the slack for us when we're slacking and we need to be there for others when they need us to pick up their slack to keep us all focused and on track. So but before we dive in today, um, I, I do, I do want to talk to our kids and it might just be Hannah today, but Hannah, could you come back up here? <laughs> we, we keep you busy in church these days, Hannah. 
Here, and you can come on up here. It's, it's easier for everybody to see you up here, so we'll, we'll talk up here today. Do you want a microphone? Okay, yeah, yeah, she definitely wants a microphone. That was a silly question, huh? Of course you want a microphone. What's your favorite subject in school? Do you like reading? Do you like drawing? Do you like recess? What, what's your favorite? Recess. Recess, okay. Let's just see. If, if your favorite uh, subject in school was recess, please raise your hand. Look, everyone feels the same way. Yes. Well, I didn't know that about you. Did you know that? I didn't know that recess was your favorite. But you know how I did learn it? I asked you, right? That was, that's all we did. We spent a little bit of time together and I asked you a question. If, we, if you and me and let's say five other people, do you like to go hiking in the woods? No? Do you like getting in the car and going on long trips? You do like that? Okay, you don't like that or you do like that? You do? Let's say we're going to Disney World. Okay, then you like that. Okay. It, if, if we were going on a trip together, maybe five or six people, what, uh, what snacks do you think that I would bring? Blueberries? I wish that was the right answer. But you, you probably don't know, right? Because you and I, we've never really gone on a road trip together. I would guess that you would want to bring uh, celery and carrots. Yeah, was that right? Oh, okay. Well, but you know, you know why you didn't know what I would, would like to eat? Because we've never gone on a road trip, right? But if we did, when we got back, you would have known, right? You would have known that I wanted Cheez-Its and a green Gatorade. You would have learned that, right? Well, Hannah, I have some bad news for you. When you turn 17 or 18, you're going to graduate from school. And technically, at that point, you could be done with school if you wanted to. But here, here's, here's the bad news, okay? You're never going to stop learning. Is that bad news? It is bad news. <laughs> Let me put it this way. The spelling tests will stop, though. So that's good news, right? Yeah. But you see, even adults, sometimes we think that we've, we're done learning, right? We, we think, oh, I went, to, I went to high school. I got a diploma. I, I actually have my high school diploma. Do you want to see it? They gave us a wallet version when we graduated. Well, maybe... I was going to say, I have to prove to everyone that I graduated from But see, look, you'll get a little diploma that looks just like that. And they'll say, yay, you're done. Go on. But even if you go to college, eventually they're just going to give you another piece of paper that says, you're done. But we never stop learning. Do you think you know everything about Elizabeth? You do? Well, as Elizabeth grows, she's going to do some things that kind of throw you off. You're going to be like, where did that come from? Why did you say that to me? We're always learning about the people around us. We're always learning about the world around us. And one day you're going to have a job. You know that? You're going to make money. And even at your job, 
you're going to have to always be learning. Everybody out here that has a job, we all have to take continued education of some sort. We have to keep sharp on what we do as our jobs. So you're never going to stop learning. And that's how it is with Jesus. So even the oldest person in this room, and we're not going to point that person out, but even the oldest person in this room is not done learning about Jesus. Did you know that? And, and, and I'm not done learning about Jesus, and you're not done learning about Jesus. And so I keep using this word discipleship. You know what that means? It means learning about Jesus. So just a heads up, this is the rest of your life. You're going to be learning and growing and you're going to be learning about Jesus. You're never going to finish. Is that good news? Yeah, it is good news because we always want to know more and learn more about Jesus. And whether that's through silly songs or times of reading the Bible together, we're going to always learn more about Jesus. Even when you're the oldest person in the room, you're still going to have more to learn about Jesus, right? Yeah. Well, thanks, Hannah. I enjoyed our conversation. I know I talked a lot. So discipleship, ultimately, we're, we're journeying with Jesus and we're learning. And no matter how old you are, we continue in discipleship. Today we're going to look at Luke chapter 6. Just right where we left off last week, I believe. But Luke chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 27 and we're going to read through verse 38. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. If you would stand with me this morning uh, as we hear the word of the Lord. That's, that's actually last, last week's. Here, I, I've got it here. Luke six twenty seven through 38. But I say to you, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, don't withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, don't ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't, do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For the measure you will give, you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now, our text today might sound a little familiar if you spent much time in church. You've probably heard the golden rule. You've probably heard a lot of this. And just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Trevor preached on Jonah and talked about this command that Jesus gives to love our enemies. 
So I'm not going to rehash that whole aspect, but I hope that your brain is still connecting us back to that sermon in just a couple weeks ago. So today, again, we're asking the question, how? How do we do discipleship? We know why, we know what it is, but how do we actually do it? We've read this rich text. That text just told us a lot. And we're posed with this question. I hope you track with me for the next 20 minutes because I really think that this could be vital to the health of our church. So as I mentioned last week, there's not some magical way to do discipleship. There's not some formula to make sure that we're doing it right. And again, we've been doing this for thousands of years now. If there was the right way, I think we would have figured it out. But think about all of the ways that you've seen discipleship done in your life. So I want you to participate here. If, if I call out something that you've attended in the past, I would just like you to raise your hand. And I'm going to list a lot of things. So throw your hand up and put it back down. You've probably attended Sunday school, vacation Bible school, small groups, prayer meetings, Sunday services. <laughs> Everyone can raise their hand for that one. Missionary services. You probably had a mentor. Have you mentored others? Have you been a part of a community Bible study? Were you part of a group in school such as Fellowship of Christian Athletes or Chi Alpha or one of those Christian groups in school or at college? Revivals? Camp meetings? Even better, tent meetings? Family prayer time? The list could go on and on of what we call it. Are all of these things discipleship? Everyone say yes. Is one better than the other? Everyone say no. You guys are so smart. But can I, I need to provide you with one clear way, or can I provide you with one way to do discipleship? And everyone say no. All right. So we got that out of the way very early. What I can give you today are some parameters in which our activity can be classified as discipleship. First off, our text today gives us some really good parameters on knowing if we're doing discipleship. Is our activity loving our enemies? Is it doing good to those who hate us? Is it blessing those that persecute us? Is our activity leading us to meet the needs of people that we think don't deserve it? And are we expecting anything in return? The text says that even sinners can give to the needy. We see that every day. There, there are people that in our society that they give to charity simply for its benefits. And not that that's ter- necessarily a bad thing, but, I mean, there, there are a lot of athletes and very uh, rich people that set up nations in their own name just so they can give money to their own foundation just to help with taxes. And not that they're not doing good, but that's a lot of the motive that comes from that. Luke is telling us that there are other groups that do similar things to what we do as Christians. But what, what differentiates us is our motive. That's what this text is telling us. There are community organizations that are doing great things in the world. They really are. And that's not a bad thing whatsoever. I'm not condemning anybody that's doing things not in the name of Jesus. We need those organizations. But what makes us different, what makes us unique, is that we bear the name of Jesus. And we're not doing good because it's the right thing, but we're doing acts of grace because we have received this grace. And it's our job to share it. 
This is a quote from a guy named uh, James fin- Finhagen, and, and I thought this really was a good point about, about what discipleship leads to in our ministry. It says, The point is that ministry is more than simply doing Ministry is an act in God's name. Therefore, it's not something that we do solely on our own, but something that Christ does in us, through us, and with us. Ministry has been given to us, and our task is to uncover what is already present so that the, the ministry of the church might be carried out in all of its fullness. The ministry of the church is exercised by a man, woman, and child who bears the mark of baptism. So ministry is what is birthed out of things called discipleship. Discipleship calls us into ministry, and it's not just on me. It is on everyone who bears that mark of baptism that says, Jesus is Lord. So how do we do discipleship in such a way that our motives are not to receive, but to give? First off, we have to keep Christ in the center. The command in our text today are telling us, Act like Jesus. For us to do that, our discipleship must be Christ-focused and Christ-centered. There are some, some easy ways to check this. If, if, if we have a, a gathering and we ask the question, how many times was the name of Jesus mentioned? Did the motives of our activity also focus on making the people look like Jesus? Was Scripture a centerpiece? We have one prominent way to learn about Christ, and that's through Scripture. So was Scripture read? Was Scripture a part of what what went on? Scripture must be a centerpiece of discipleship. Now, I I really, I don't want you to to lose you here. I want you to follow with me. I know know some of you have probably been waiting this whole series for me to say this, but I'm finally going to get practical. Stop talking about the, the, the thinking and the thoughts, but practically, some actual real ways in which we can answer the how question for discipleship. So there are two main categories that I want to break this up into. The first is what I will call explicit discipleship. Everybody say explicit discipleship. Explicit discipleship. Yes, it's a great great little term there that I'm going to say a lot in the next few minutes. But explicit discipleship is what we're probably all the most familiar with. This looks like a gathering or a conversation that has been clearly set up for discipleship. Much like our Wednesday night group, Sunday school classes, small groups, even our meeting right now. It's explicit discipleship. You knew when you were coming here that we were going to talk about Jesus, didn't you? I hope you did. And if you didn't, we're here to talk about Jesus, just to let you know. Jesus himself did a lot of explicit discipleship. Even our text today is Jesus telling us how to look like Jesus right? It, it's not, there's not really any gray area. It's not kind of, what does he mean? He tells us exactly what he means, and we are to do it, and now we are being formed into disciples. He gathered people, and he was straightforward. And I'm so very thankful that Jesus gave us as much direct conversation as he did. There are no questions about what Jesus meant by our text today. It was straightforward, and it does help us to look more like him. The second category that we can, we can use to classify discipleship is what I'm going to call implicit discipleship. There are ways in which we disciple others and are discipled that it's not so straightforward. Implicit can also mean that there are things that we are teaching or being taught through the absence 
of an explicit nature. For example, let's say you attended this church for five years. And after being here for five years on your five-year anniversary, you realized, hmm, they've never talked about prayer in this church. And they've never prayed in this church. Hmm. I hope you wouldn't stay around for five years if we didn't talk about prayer and we didn't pray. But I hope you see what I'm saying. They're, by choosing to not talk about things, we're actually sending a message about those things as well. Im- implicit can be, can be just that. <clears throat> Let me make it a little bit more practical. When you have a neighbor that you small talk with at the mailbox, maybe once or twice a week or maybe even just once a month, you begin to form a relationship with that person. You may never explicitly talk with that person about Jesus, but there are things that you can avoid talking about on purpose to begin to disciple that person. You see, when they bring up neighborhood drama or maybe some conspiracy theory that is just a waste of time, you can politely guide that conversation back to something more meaningful and wholesome. And the language that we use in talking to others is just as important as the language that we don't use when we implicitly disciple someone. When they begin to realize that there are words that we don't say, they begin to realize that there's an element of self-control present in their lives that they might be missing. Implicit discipleship is also Christ-centered. I want us to hear that. It is Christ-centered. But the other person might just not realize that yet. You know, and I've often found in my personal life, the people that I can best explicitly disciple, I started out implicitly discipling them, if that makes sense. I would hear them out on their things, but I wouldn't just go preaching at them. I I would listen with them and hurt with them, but I wouldn't just go say, well, just give your life to Jesus and that it'll all get better. But no, but they, they began to trust me and, and they, they knew that for some reason I listened different than everyone or I gave different advice than others. And when we do that, we, we begin to form that relationship and we are really discipling them. We're praying for that person. We're in scripture every day so that we're prepared to minister to that person. We have to be willing to journey with people on their journey of salvation and not just expect to meet them, tell them about Jesus, and expect them to show up here at church. Or even better, we like to meet them and just drag them to church and let the church do the work. It doesn't work that way. Now, maybe occasionally that could happen. You invite somebody to church, they show up, and they, they meet Jesus and what goes on. And I would gladly welcome anyone to these altars for that. But we have to realize that we're called to make disciples. Not just those that are called to ministry in a formal setting. The world needs you to be making disciples. If we're going to make any headway in bringing people to Jesus, we've all got to be on board with this. Now, I don't really want to overwhelm you, but I think you've all been doing implicit discipleship with lots of people for a long time and you just don't realize it. That there are people in your life that you have treated with the love of Christ and you've never mentioned the name of Jesus. And, and, and you've probably been discipling them for a long time. You're just, you haven't thought of it that way. And some of those relationships are probably ready to move and take that next step into a more explicit form of discipleship. 
So I want to challenge you this week. If there's someone that you've journeyed with, sometimes even for years, and you guys have never just talked about Jesus, then, then it's time. It, it, it's time to, to take that step with that relationship and say, hey, I've been with you through this and through this, and I just want to let you know that there's only one way that I could do that. And it's because I know the, the marvelous love of the Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Because they've already seen it in you. They know it's there. He just doesn't have that name to it. So I want to challenge you, and, and I'm sure there's people that have popped in your head. Now, yeah, sometimes if you've just met somebody, yeah, it might not be the right time. But some of you have been putting off those conversations to directly engage with somebody about Jesus. And those conversations need to happen. The journey of discipleship can begin in a rather implicit way. And, in, and then it can journey into a much more explicit form. But the key to that is that the person needs to trust you. And they have to see Jesus in you. If you don't look like Jesus, then you're not going to get very far trying to disciple someone. That doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but that means that you've got to be exemplifying what Christ has called us to do. That's what's going to allow them to be open to more direct ways of discipleship. So I just want to give a few quick ideas and we'll be done. But if you truly are in the word of God every day, then every conversation that you have can be influenced by God in your life. Every conversation. We have to get over this idea that discipleship starts with the church. Discipleship starts with Jesus calling you. We have to stop overthinking how we're doing it and get over this paralysis of the analysis which basically means we sit around and we talk about and we have meetings and we try to figure out how to do it. How can we do it better? How can we do this? And then we realize in that time we're not doing anything. We can get like that with a lot of things in our lives, but with discipleship, it can't be that way. It has to be happening every single day. And we can't just sit around and think, oh, am I doing discipleship? But it's just got to happen. You've got to step into it and be doing it. Connect with your neighbors and be there for them. For the day is coming where you can move from implicitly to explicitly discipling them. How? Through your conversations and how you react to what's going on in their life and in theirs. If you have someone that you're already actively engaging with about Jesus, take those conversations seriously. They're super important. And also realize that that other person could be discipling you. It's not just you to them, but it goes both ways. You need it just like they do. When we engage in discipleship, we're not just meeting just to have a good time or meeting to go do something good in the community. We're meeting to engage with one another as Jesus engages with us. And that can look like laughter and fellowship, absolutely. And that can look like intimate times of prayer and Bible study, absolutely. But that can also look like weeping over a cup of coffee, because the end of the rope has come for your friend or your coworker or your spouse. We have to take it all seriously. Church, 
Jesus met his disciples and he entered into relationship and began discipling them before they knew what was going on. They didn't understand it. Yes, they each came to a time where they could, could choose to fully follow when the, their time had come. But Jesus had done his part. And it was left up to the end of individual to accept or decline. So we've got to do our part of discipling others and being discipled. And the rest is up to them. The sad part is that there are people in each of our lives that are waiting on us to do our part. They are. You say, Ryan, well, what if, what if I do, you know, I've been there for this person and now I, I start to talk about Jesus and they push away. You've got to do your part. <laughs> if they push away, that's okay. But they know who you are, they know why you are, and they know how you are. There's a good chance that when their world falls apart again, They'll come back to the one person that always listened to them and didn't judge them. Because as Christ told us today, judge and you will be judged. There's people waiting on us to do our part. And and, and I think when we do that, amazing things can happen. You know, it, it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a sermon ready. You just have to engage with that person. And like I said earlier, just tell them, hey, you know how I'm here for you? It's because I feel like I'm called to. I'm called to be here for you. I was called by a man named Jesus. And he means everything to me. And if they've listened to you for years, I highly doubt they're going to stop listening now. One last quote for us today that has just hit home with me. And, and I hope that, that we hear this and, and that it, it becomes the cry of our hearts. But this is from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer in a book called The Cost of Discipleship, which you should definitely read if you never have. The Cost of Discipleship, you can probably pick it up for like $5 online. And if you haven't read it in the last year, read it again. <laughs> but he, Bonhoeffer says, With an abstract idea, it is possible to enter into a relation of formal knowledge. To become enthusiastic about it and perhaps even to put it into practice. But it can never be followed in personal obedience. He's talking about an abstract idea. We can participate in it, but we can't follow something that's just abstract, just a thought. Christianity without the living Christ is inevitably Christianity without discipleship. And Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Let me say that one more time. Christianity without the living Christ is inevitably Christianity without discipleship. And Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. As we are called to do our part, to be Christian is to be making disciples. How do we do it? We just keep Christ at the center and we keep going. We keep having discussions. We keep meeting people. We keep loving on people. We keep giving and expect nothing in return. We do exactly what the text told us to do this morning. We don't judge. 
We love, we love our enemies. And, and at the end of the day, we will be making disciples. Let's pray together. God, today help us to do our part, Lord. And I know that, that it can be so intimidating to take that next step with someone that maybe we've known for years, maybe even a loved one, a family member. But God, when, when we've been journeying with them and we've built trust with them, and Lord, help us in those situations where it's time. It's time we take the next step and say, hey, the spirit that I have with you, it has a name and its name is Jesus. And Lord, help us to be ready to have those conversations. God, help us as we, as we begin to disciple, maybe implicitly someone that we've just met or a neighbor, or someone that that we're getting to know. Help us to look like you as we know that you're already active in their lives, working in their hearts. Help us to be the conduit in which this person comes to know you or, or draws near to you. God, may we take this call seriously. That Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without you. So Lord, keep keep challenging us. Keep opening our minds and our hearts Keep giving us words. Lord, discipleship, it doesn't start with the church, but it starts with you calling us into it. So Lord, today, strengthen us. Allow us to do our part. Because God, we know that you're, you're calling us. You're making all things new. You're making us new and, and, and calling us into newness with you. So today, help us, God. Help us to know that if we want to see this kingdom grow and expand, we have got to be making disciples. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for news that is your spirit with us through this journey of discipleship. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Can we just sing that, that chorus? I'll say yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Would you go today in the grace and peace of the God who is calling you into discipleship? May he give you the strength to say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Would you go in his grace and peace this morning? Amen. And I hate to say it, but if I could see the board members for 60 seconds right down here, just 60 seconds, I promise it's not big.